All right, so we are in Acts chapter 5, and uh, we, Acts chapter 5 is where we have the famous story I'm sure everyone's heard before about Ananias and Sapphira. And we see here in this story, this is an example of the New Testament church, or you could say the Reformed church. One thing we're seeing here in chapter 5, it's important we understand this, is some major changes are happening. The church has been reformed. They no longer have the sacrifices of the Old Testament. They no longer are to be using the physical temple anymore and bringing sacrifices. There's no longer any need of a Levitical priesthood anymore. And understand that shortly before this time, that, you know, they did, they had all these practices where you had to have these holy priests go in and do these things. And if they don't do things just right, you know, they can drop dead. Okay? We know all those stories. We've heard all these things before, but Jesus died on the cross. The time of reformation has come. Those things are no longer necessary. Some things have changed. And so one of the things that is different now, and it's important we understand this before we start reading the story, is there's no longer that emphasis on a physical uh, temple made with hands anymore, okay? but on the temple of our bodies where the Holy Ghost dwells. That's what matters today, folks. We don't have a building somewhere that we kind of look to, worship. This building, okay? well, I believe we ought to be respectful with it and you know, we shouldn't host parties and things in here and stuff like that you know, because of we, what we do here is important. Our body is the temple of God. Very important we understand this. And so just like God wanted a sanctified temple in the Old Testament, God wants one now in our body. And I believe what took place back then you know, should be taken just as serious today as it was back then. God made an example out of Ananias and Sapphira for all of us. And good, God shouldn't have to kill everyone all the time when they lie in church. Okay? You know, he, or when they lie to the Holy Ghost. Okay? And God doesn't. He gives us a chance to repent. But notice He's setting an example right here showing us how He feels about it. So let's go ahead and read this story. It says in verse 1, But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back a part of the price of the land? Notice here that this lie that he told, that they told, it was a lie of the devil. This was something, uh, Satan is the father of lies. We see in John 8, 44, it says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So just understand, any time you come up with a lie, just understand you didn't get that by the Spirit of God. You got it by the Spirit of the devil. And often, when it talks about something being our father, it's based on our works. You know, we are the children of our father in heaven when we do the works of our father in heaven. Just like you're the children of Abraham if you do the works of Abraham. And you, know, you ladies, you're the daughters of Sarah if you do the works of Sarah and you're submissive to your husband. And so when you do things like the devil, you're like, you know, your father's the devil. And it's the same thing we do with our kids when they do something good, we claim they're our children. Now, when they do something bad, we claim they're their mother's children, right? That's kind of how that works. We, and so we see that in the Bible. So, you know, when you, when you lie, when you're telling a lie, you're really doing nothing more than spreading the word of Satan. Is what you're doing. You didn't get that from God. And so, in this story, the biggest problem with this lie that they told, it was who they were lying to. Because 
You know, here's the bad thing about lies. Lies hurt people, don't they? Often. Lies are something that are, they cause a lot of problems for other people. And I think Ananias and Sapphira, they probably thought or they probably told themselves they were lying to the church, which is still bad, but they weren't. Peter didn't say, why'd you lie to us? He said, you lied to the Holy Ghost. Okay, so here's the question. Why was it the Holy Ghost that they were lying to? Well, verse 4, Peter goes on to say, while it remained, okay, this possession that you sold, that you're giving the price of that to, or you're claiming to give the price to the church, he said, while it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. You want to know why this was a lie to the Holy Ghost? Because it wasn't a lie to the church, because in reality, it was none of the church's business. What portion they kept versus what portion they gave to the church. That was not the church's business. And let me ask you, how did they hurt the church by only giving part of it when they didn't have to give any of it? That's not hurting the church. Listen, if you decide you're going to give half your bank account to the church, you're not hurting us. And if you lie to us about it and say it was a whole thing, you still didn't hurt us. Okay, if you want to come up to me after church and give me half the money in your wallet, but you're only giving, or giving, but you tell me you're giving me all the money in your wallet, you're not hurting me. But let me tell you, you're lying to the Holy Ghost, aren't you? You know why? Because the Holy Ghost dwells in you. He dwells inside of you. Your body is the temple of God now. We talk about how you know the Lord is, Christ is in our heart, and then you are allowing a lie to come into your heart. You're allowing this falsehood that came from the devil and you're placing it in that temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. And you know what you do when you do that? You grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You're not hurting me. And the Isis of Fire, they didn't hurt the church. But let me tell you something. God cared about this new temple where He's dwelling in. God wanted the people to be clean vessels. And God wanted to make an example out of these people. And again, I, I personally think that you probably aren't going to drop dead if you lie in church. But let me tell you, I can, I can promise you this, you will grieve the Holy Ghost of God. And I'll tell you this too, if you don't drop dead, it may be because God is giving you a chance for repentance. But God doesn't have to do that. God doesn't have to give repentance in something like this. And He didn't in this situation. He just killed them. And I, you know, and I hate repeating stories. I'm not going to give names because this isn't a first-hand thing. It's a second-hand story. But there was uh, a well-known uh, preacher I was told about who was kind of really getting popular, a younger guy and everything. And, uh, and supposedly, he did a very similar thing where he pledged to give this item. He was going to sell it and give the money to the church. And he kind of made this pledge. Well, then he went and sold it. Turned out it was worth a lot more money than he thought. And so he decided to keep back part of the money. And it's like, this is a pastor doing this. Have you never read Acts chapter 5? I'd be scared to death to do that. You know, and if I thought there was a chance I had this item that was really worth a ton of money, you know, I promised to give all of it to the church up to, <laughs> you know, this amount of money, if it's more than that. And here's the thing that's so stupid about that. Let's, you know, let's say I had something, you know, I was going to just sell my car and give all the money to the church. Okay? If I make that pledge, my plan is to walk away with zero dollars from that deal and to give it all to the church. So, if I've already determined in my heart I'm getting zero dollars and then I get double what I thought I was going to get for the car, how am I hurting myself anymore by giving more? That's even better. That just makes the gift better. But I don't know, for some reason, and, and I will say this, the guy didn't drop dead 
But he did eventually, not long later, get exposed for all kinds of junk, and he is no longer anything in the IFB world anymore. And while he was going around, his name was everywhere on flyers for things, getting the big love offerings, he's not getting none of that stuff anymore. So, you know, God didn't kill him right there, but I will say his career was killed shortly after. And uh, I think it's a good thing. So, I don't, as soon as I heard that story, I was just like, I, I'd be just waiting to drop dead if I did something like that. Because this is a pretty clear story. And he even said again, sometimes God would set examples like this in the Old Testament to show how he felt about things. And so even if God doesn't kill you, you shouldn't have the attitude of, well, I dodged a bullet there. You know, it ought to bother you that you did something that upsets God so much. Okay, you know, your kids, uh, hopefully they don't have this attitude. And, you know, sometimes they do. They do something wrong and they don't get caught. And it's like, whew, you know, I didn't get spanked. It was worth it. Now, you ought to just be, you know, you ought to be sorry that you just did it in the first place. But that, that is, that's a really bad attitude. And so, again, they didn't hurt the church because it was none of the church's business. It was theirs. They, this lie was something they did to the Holy Ghost. And so, um, the result, we all know the result. Verse 5 says, but, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. So, uh, just an amazing thing here. And obviously, Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost and, and he knew this lady was going to die. Uh, and, he, he, and, and it was obvious too. You know, he gave her a chance. He asked her, did you sell the land for so much? And she said, yes, we did. And so it became very apparent to Peter not only did Ananias lie, but they actually planned this lie. Sometimes we just accidentally tell lies. You know, you, you get cornered, and it's still bad, it's still a lie. But you know what? It's worse when it's premeditated. And you know, it's even worse too when you conspire with someone to tell a lie. Because a lot of times too, when we tell lies, we're not just lying to an individual, but we're also lying to ourselves. We find a way to justify it. Again, it's none of the church's business, you know, what percentage we're giving. And the truth is, it is none. If they gave 50%, 10%, 2%, it's theirs. They can do what they want to with it, but they didn't need to lie about it. But they did, and that lie that they told, it was something that grieved the Holy Ghost of God. It was a lie to the Holy Ghost of God. And we see that God killed them right there. And so there's a few things I want us to learn that we can learn from this story that I think is so important because I'm afraid that many times in even in Baptist churches today, while I think we know better than going and selling something and saying we you know are giving all when we're not giving all, I think we all know better than that specific sin, but obviously that is not the only lie that you can do to the Holy Ghost. That is an example that we have here in the Bible, but there's many different ways we can do that. I gave that illustration about that preacher. He did the exact same kind of thing. 
right there. But the truth is, there's more than one way that we can do this kind of thing. And I'm afraid we often find ourselves lying to the Holy Ghost and we, uh, we do this by justifying our lies we tell because we think we're lying to other people about stuff that's really none of their business. I mean, you know, I'm not asking for a show of hands. I don't want to know. But I imagine there's probably some in here before. Maybe you lie to the IRS a little bit. You know, we don't really feel that bad about it because at the same time, it's none of their business and, 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 and we don't like them, right? But, you know, so, but the thing is, you know, I, I'm not talking about that kind of thing. Okay, we, we, it's real easy to justify stuff like that. You know, obviously, if, uh, you know, if the government or some you know, organization comes along and they are, they're asking intrusive questions, it's just none of their business. I'm not going to tell you, you, know, you have to tell them the whole truth about things. You know, we, you know, we do have the right to remain silent. All right? I, I, I'll just recommend exercising that right. But either way, right, you know, either way, I think we often mistakenly tell ourselves we're lying to someone else, but in reality, we're lying to the Holy Ghost. And I want to show how we often do that in church, but I'm just giving a few examples. So turn over to Luke chapter 46. Luke chapter 46. Because, again, lying to the Holy Ghost, while we have one specific example here of how it was done, I believe this same sin can be manifest in many different ways. And I'm afraid many times we have people in churches walking around lying to the Holy Ghost. And you're not, you're not helping anybody with that. You're not helping yourself. You're, you're hurting yourself. You're defiling yourself. You're grieving the Holy Spirit when you do this kind of thing. So look what it says in Luke 11 and verse 46. It says, And he said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens, with one of your fingers. Woe unto you, for ye build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Truly ye bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and ye build their sepulchres. What, what he's talking about right here, he's talking about these lawyers. He said, you're putting things on people. You're making requirements for people that first off, God never commanded that they put on people. And not only are you guys putting all these requirements on people, but you're not even doing these things. You know, you claim you are. You have a form of doing these things. You know, he talks about too how you know you build the sepulchers of the prophets, but your fathers killed them. And he said, you know, ye bear truly ye bear witness that ye also allow the deeds of your fathers, because they did the same kind of sins. So the thing is, this group that Jesus is talking to here, these people talked a really good game about being spiritual. But in reality, they didn't practice a very good game at all. And so one of the ways that we can lie to the Holy Ghost today is simply just by coming to church and pretending that we're something that we're not. Okay? That, when you do that, when you come and you put on this outward show of something that you are not. Okay? I'm not talking about just, you know, you know, obviously we're supposed to try to be holy people. We're supposed to try to be godly but when we are purposefully doing outward things with the whole point of just impressing those around us, understand you're lying to the Holy Ghost in that situation. For example, you know, when you pretend to have standards that you don't really have. And our churches are full of these too. Listen, I believe, and, and we do not, we do not go around this church enforcing our dress code. And you know what? Can anybody show me that dress code that we have? 
Did anybody have to sign into any of that and agree to dress a certain way when you join this church? Now, obviously, there is, you know, a typical dress style and things, you know, I mean, just stuff that's just kind of understood, unspoken rules, all that kind of thing. You know, like, like, and it's, but it's the same way everywhere, even in, in society, okay? In the workplace, you go to pretty much any workplace. Now, usually they have a written dress code. But even if they don't have a written dress code, there's a certain way everyone dresses. And, and ladies, especially in these places, they don't want to stand out. You always have the one freak that wants to stand out. I remember when I worked in Spring Valley, you know, there was a typical way most people dressed working there in the factory. But there was this one guy, and this was back before it became a style. This was in the early 2000s. He would wear pajama pants to work all the time. And he was a weirdo. Okay? This guy was a real weirdo. And he knew it, and he, he was proud of it. He knew he was an outsider. He had a rock band. And, uh, you know, it was just one of these outcast type. He would brag about how many dress code violations he would get uh, because of he, inappropriate T-shirts that he would wear. But he wore pajama pants all the time, too. And, and he was. He was a freak. He knew it. Uh, he was also Jewish. And, uh, and, and always loved to act oppressed. <laughs> He, he did. He always loved to act oppressed because he was a Jew. We were leaving work one day and they had just put up all these Christmas decorations. It was around Christmas time. It was like Merry Christmas, all this kind of stuff. And he's just like, he's like, where's all the Hanukkah stuff? Nobody likes the Jews. <laughs> just you know, real loud. Just, he makes scenes like that. But again, you know, I don't know how I got sidetracked on that. But there, there was an unwritten... You know, in, in a lot of places in society, there's kind of like these unwritten rules and standards. Everybody knows how you're supposed to dress. Okay. And everybody kind of, everybody just kind of conforms to that with the exception of that occasional weirdo that's out there that wants to be the trendsetter or whatever. But anyway, so it's like that in churches. There's a way that, you know, and when you go to a different church, there's a style, things that people do. And often what people will do, they will come into church and they will, they'll just, You'll have the lawyer in the church like we see here in Luke that's like demanding everyone dress this way. I don't let my daughters wear this. I don't let my boys wear that. You all shouldn't do that either. And then we try to enforce those things on everybody. And what's the point of that? You know, in reality, when it comes to a lot of stuff, it's really none of your business. I mean, it's amazing how worried some people get about what people are doing and what they wear in their own homes and what they what they're doing, what they wear in their own time. And folks, I believe in dressing godly. I believe in dress standards and things like that. I do. But at the same time, there's just some stuff that I don't see in the Bible where we've been called to enforce these things. I don't see where we've been called to uh, you know, just get in everybody's business on this stuff. I think it's something that's between you and God. And obviously, if you're not doing it right, you know, in my mind, I might not be able to help but have an opinion. But at the end of the day, too, I understand it's between you and God. And it's not, it's not my business... But what, so you do, you have the people, those lawyers in the church, you could say, those Pharisees that try to put these burdens on people that they're not ready to bear because they don't believe in it. Okay. And folks, I don't want you to be phony. Okay. If you know, ladies, I really do believe with all my heart, you should dress like ladies. I believe that. But if you don't believe in that, why are you trying to? Impress everybody here. You know, why are you lying? Why are you pretending that you're a lady when in reality you're not? You know, when you're, uh, you know, the truth is you are a short-haired feminist and you just, you know, 
but you know, you come, you lie to us every day, <laughs> you know, kind of putting on a show, but, but in reality, is it really our business? Is it really my business? How long your hair is? Is it, are all these things really my business? You know what you're, you're, you know what you're really doing when you come here and you're trying to convince me and everyone else that you are a certain way? You're not hurting us, but you are lying to the Holy Ghost. And you know what? I believe we ought to be real when we're in church. Don't pretend you have standards you don't really have. Don't pretend to believe in things you don't really believe. Don't sit there amening stuff that I'm preaching when you don't even believe it. Hey, hey you're not hurting me when you're agreeing with me outwardly when you don't agree with me inwardly, but you know what you're doing when you do that, you're putting on a show for everyone else. I'm with the pastor. I'm right there. And you do, you sit there in church and you know, I'm looking at, you know, it's like you agree with everything I'm saying, man, this guy's got my back. And it turns out, you know, you're in the church going around behind my back, unpreaching all my messages that I preach, you know, stirring up all this controversy and stuff. And it's just like, you know, that's just, that's wicked. You know, why can't people just be real? Why can't people just, you know, do what they actually believe? Why can't they do things from the heart? But the, but the reality is, you got people, they're coming into church today, and they're forgetting it's not supposed to be about the people, it's supposed to be about God. We're supposed to be coming together as a people to come and worship and to praise and to lift up Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. But when you come, and then you just kind of put on this outward show of, you know, unity and all these things. Just understand, you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And, you know, and He's looking down at what we're doing, and we're doing all these things right, but He sees our heart. He sees that half these people, they don't even mean it. Half these people being are forced into it. And, and here's another reason, too. Another reason I just don't want... I don't, I, I don't see in the Bible where we have to enforce a lot of these things. Uh, I'm not high pressure on all these things. And one of the reasons I'm not like that, one, I don't believe I have to, Two, it's not my personality to be that way. Uh, three, I think it's less effective. I think where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I think when people have the freedom to do the right thing, I think more people are going to do the right thing. I think when you force people to do things they don't believe in, it just creates a bad attitude in the church. It creates a bad spirit. It creates a spirit of rebellion. And ultimately what it ends up doing when you're forcing people to do things they don't even believe in is they end up becoming just bitter, angry Trendies like we see out there today that end up just going to these rock and roll churches, hating on the IFB all the time, and then talking about how fake they were and like bragging about it. You know, I used to do this in church. I used to do that in church, you know, just just to impress everybody. So you were lying to the Holy Ghost in church. I mean, some people, they, they, they you know, I've literally heard people brag about how they used to lie to the Holy Ghost in church. I think that kind of stuff is wicked. I don't want that kind of thing in, in our, our church. And I think when you do, so understand all these things that you're doing, these outward things that we approve of, when you're doing these things that in reality we like, we approve of it, but in reality are none of our business, understand your little lie that you're telling as you put on the show, it's not hurting us, but you know what? You are lying to the Holy Ghost and he's supposed to be the one that we're all about. He's supposed to be the one that we're following. We're supposed to be walking in the Spirit. And you know, the, the truth is, people ought to be dressing godly because they're walking in the Spirit. They ought to be dressing godly. You know, women ought to adorn themselves in modest apparel. Why? Because they're trying to show, uh, they're, they're trying to, uh, show that inner man, uh, that's in the heart. I'm not wording that right. I forgot how Paul said it exactly. 
that hidden man of the heart he talked about. We're, we're, we're trying to reflect that. And if that's why you're doing these things, God bless you. That's wonderful. That's great. But some people are doing it for a completely different reason. And all you're doing, you're, so now you're doing the same outward thing as somebody else, but in the inside, you're lying to the Holy Ghost. And understand, when we read that Old Testament, you see those things at the temple. You see how important they were, how meticulous they were on those things. God wanted it that way because God wanted it to be a picture of His holiness. And understand too, when you got saved, the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed you from your sin. It had to be the blood of Christ to give cleansing. God is not a, is going. You know, God can't be, uh, you know, with us in our sinful condition. We need that blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us, but then for us to have the Holy Spirit inside us and then to go and purposely just defile ourselves with these inward things is a horrible thing to do. We're taking advantage of the grace of God and God forbid that we would do something like that. So turn over to Matthew chapter 23. We can see something very similar said here in another account of the gospel. But this is, the, this is just something I wish people would quit doing. Because again... I've said this before, I'm going to, I just want to say this again. When it comes to the IFB, okay? Alright, the I, now we all know that independent fundamental Baptists are independent, right? But in reality, there is an expectation that you have when you go to independent fundamental Baptist church. There's an expected doctrine. There's an expected, you know, when I go into independent fundamental Baptist church, I expect a certain type of music. I expect a King James Bible. I mean, there, I, I do, I, there's a lot of stuff I expect. And I do not expect when I go into an independent fundamental Baptist church to see a pastor get up there wearing a long robe and sashes and all that kind of stuff and then, you know, swinging an incense thing around. I, I don't expect to see that when I go into an independent fundamental Baptist church. Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? I, I expect a look. Alright? I, I expect a suit and a tie. That's just typically how we do these things. Now, a lot of these things that we expect to see, this look that we expect to see, the type of music, I expect to see a hymn book when I go there. Okay? I can't find in the Bible where you have to have a hymn book. If I go into an independent fundamental Baptist church and I see screens and no hymn books, I get a little nervous. Okay? Now, is that a sin? No, it's not a sin. But it's just not what, it's not what I expect. Okay, So there are... there And, and folks... We are an independent fundamental Baptist church and there are things that many people expect to see in an independent fundamental Baptist church that they won't see here. You know, there's, there's certain doctrines. You know, there's areas where we're different. But I, I just... So I say all that to say there are... Uh, when it comes to most of the IFB-isms, I'm for them. Okay? I believe in them. I like the music. I like the look. I like the King James Bible. You know, I don't just like that. I believe in that. You know, and th- but there is there's a lot of things that I I do I agree with, and it's like I I like it. I want it, even if I don't believe it's a sin to do it different. I don't believe it's a sin to not have hymn books, but you better believe we're keeping the hymn books around here, amen. I, I, I you know I believe in natural lighting, white light. I don't believe in them purple lights. Is it a sin to have purple lights in church? I'm trying to make that, you know, a sin somewhere from the Bible. I can't really figure out how to do that, but I don't want purple lights. Okay? So, what we've got to understand though, we've got too many people in the IFB that are the entire IFB package, 
but they don't believe it. They don't mean it. It's not who they are. And you know what we've got to do? We've got to stop worrying about impressing people. God never called us to impress. When Ananias and Sapphira, when they went in there to give that money, I don't know, I don't know if they were trying to outdo Barnabas. Barnabas, he was somebody that, who had sold a bunch of land and he laid it at the apostles' feet. And Barnabas was a very popular guy. People liked Barnabas. But I think the real reason people liked Barnabas so much is they called him that because he was the son of consolation. He was somebody that was constantly encouraging people. He was constantly exhorting people. He was always sticking up for people. He had, he's, he's the one that stuck up for Paul and got the other apostles to receive Paul after he got saved. He was the one that got Paul mad at him because he stuck up for John Mark when Paul was done with John Mark. That's just who he was. I think that's probably the real reason people love Barnabas. But somewhere, I don't, I don't know, I'm just assuming here, Ananias and Sapphira saw all these people loving on him. They thought, well, you know what? If we give all of our money to the church, people will like us too. And you know what? We haven't been called to make everyone like us. Our giving is not to be done to impress people in the church. Our giving is something that we're supposed to be doing for the Lord. We're not supposed to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. And so look what it says in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 3. It says, All therefore, oh, sorry, verse 2, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. The things that the scribes and Pharisees were preaching Many of them were right. But Jesus said, go ahead. When they're sitting, because they're sitting in Moses' seat, whenever they're preaching Moses, whenever they're, you know, giving these things from the law, do what they're telling you to do, but don't do it like them. Don't do after their work's sake. You know why? Because they say and do not, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments, love the uppermost rooms at the feasts and the chief seats and the synagogues and the greetings of the markets and be called a men, Rabbi, Rabbi. So all these things that the Pharisees were doing, these were outward things that they were doing. And they were doing these things to be seen of men. They were doing these things to gain approval from men. They were not doing these things out of obedience to God because here's the thing. The, the stuff that they were doing was full of hypocrisy because they're saying be godly and then what they're doing is then they're going to go redefine godliness. Well, the godly is doing this. Godly is making broad your phylacteries. God, you know, God, uh, being godly is this, this, and this. All the things that they are doing. But the truth is, there was a lot of stuff in the law that they were completely omitting. That they completely left out. And it is, it's the same thing as these people. They're always telling you, if you got to, you know, if you're going to be saved, you got to repent of your sins and they'll bring up murder. They'll bring up fornication. They'll bring up homosexuality. They'll bring up all these big things, but then they leave out, you're hating your brother. You know, they leave out anger. They leave out lust. They leave out all these other things. And, and so what they do, they, you know, make a, a show of, look, I'm not doing these things. You know, and therefore, and, and then trying to redefine what godliness is, and they're ignoring all these other things. And at the end of the day, all the stuff that they're doing, even those things that they're doing right, is just to be seen of men. It's about impressing people that God never called us to impress. And when Ananias and Sapphira, when they went to give that, when they went to give that money, if they would have been thinking about God, then you know what? They, 
It wouldn't have been a matter of, you know, lying. Well, God's going to know anyway. You know, we, I think we all know there's no point in lying to God. And, and again, I don't, think it, I don't think any of us in here are dumb enough to try lying to God. But the truth is, we still lie all the time and we put on these shows in church. Why? Because I'm afraid we think. We think we're lying to men. We think we're putting one over on men. But in reality, most of the things we lie about are not anybody else's business. Again, it isn't anybody's business what you're giving, how much you're giving, what percentage you're giving. It's not anybody's business, you know, what your personal standards are and all these things. It's, it's, it's nobody's business. You know, if you're getting up and you're proclaiming about, you know, reading your Bible through 14 times a year and stuff like that, nobody asks you to do that. But you know what? You better be reading through your Bible 14 times a year if you're doing something like that. But you know what? People will say things like that just to impress people around. God didn't call you to do that. We've been called to please God. We do believe in individual soul liberty here. That's, a, that's another Baptist distinctive. So we, and we are not required, you are not required to follow the conscience of others in the church. And you know, you know what happens in a lot of churches too? You've got a family in the church. They, you know, they'll have their own personal standards, which is fine, which is wonderful. But then they want to enforce them on everybody else in the church. And then it just becomes a contest in the church on who's the most strict. You know, and it's like, oh, you know, I believe in modest apparel. So my daughter only wears skirts. Oh, well, mine wears skirts to her ankles. Oh, well, mine wears a skirt that has to drag the floor. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, that, that's too fancy looking. That's just drawing attention to her. I make my daughter wear flower sacks. <laughs> Keep her humble. You know, and it's just like, I, you know, we're, we're, we're worrying way too much about that. And then, and then what happens, what happens is then, you know, you do, you have people come to church and they're just looking down their nose at everybody. And then, you know, flower sack people, they're the most strict in the church. They want everybody else wearing flower sacks too. And then, and, and listen, the flower sack people, I know nobody goes to that extreme, but they are always have the nastiest attitude. And it does, it spreads. And then, you know, you've got the poor lady that's just trying to be decent, but wants to be able to function too. And doesn't want to have to drag a skirt around all over the place, doesn't want to wear an itchy flower sack. You know, and, and then now she can't enjoy herself because people are looking down her nose at her. And in, at the end of the day, none of this stuff is any of your business. And then the truth is, too, there's going to be at least one family in the church who's wearing the flower sacks. When they're not, when they're not around any church people, they're wearing regular clothes. That's exactly what they're doing because that's who they really are. And so understand, you've got the most strict dress standards in the church now, but you're also lying to everybody. You're being a phony. And you know what? You're not hurting me. Okay? All right, great. I think you wear flower sacks everywhere. And you don't. You wear a jean skirt somewhere else. You're not hurting me by doing that. But the fact that you had to deceive that way, the fact that you're, put, you're telling that lie that way, you're lying to the Holy Ghost that dwells in you. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. By that kind of thing. We are not required to follow the consciences of others in the church. And it does. And it always breaks my heart. I hate seeing this too. When people prove that they only did the things that they did in the church for us. And you know how they do it? Because many times, as soon as people leave a church, all of a sudden, everything changes about them. Everything that they wear changes. Everything that they teach and everything that they believe changes. And it's like, you know, when you were here, you acted like our biggest supporter. You know, when you were here, 
you know, you were sharing all my messages on Facebook, and then when you leave the church, now you're sharing all the Calvinist messages on Facebook that, you know, is trying to expose everything I preach. Did you ever believe this? What Was it ever real? And the truth is, it wasn't. It was never real. It was never who they really were. That entire time that they were coming, it was all about, what can I do to fit in with these people? At Liberty Baptist Church, it looks like a fun church. They look like a happy people. Maybe my life will be good if I go and I be like a Liberty Baptist Church person. And so they come in, they put on the show, they act like one of us, they dress like one of us, look like one of us, all those things, but it's not in their heart. And then they leave and then it's just 100% different immediately. And it's like, and it does, it just bothers me because I like to think people are real. And I'm not impressed. And it is, it's a discouraging thing. Pastors, they lament this kind of stuff all the time. So we've got to say the one who dwells in us is far more important than any other person. And he has, and he should have more power over us than anyone else. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Now folks, this is talking about in our employment. In our employment, we're supposed to even work in a way as if we were working for Jesus Christ Himself. How much more in our church attendance? How much more in the spiritual things that we're doing? If God wants you to work at your job in a factory, okay, working on your job on a farm, whatever it is you're doing, if God wants you to operate like Jesus Christ was the boss, then how much more does He want us to act like that here? And if you do not feel that Jesus wants you doing something, then why are you doing it? Why are you putting on a show for us? Why are you doing the eye service as men pleasers? Because we've all worked with those people that are like that, that when the boss is around, they work really hard. But when the boss isn't around, they're as lazy as can be. We've all worked with those people before. We've probably been that before. You know, but the truth is, we're supposed to fear God and not man. But we have people today literally putting on a show, putting on an outward form of uh, religion, an outward you know, display of D&I, of B and all these things. And they're doing these things because they fear man. They're scared to death to get caught not doing these things because of what man will think. But they forget the Holy Spirit can see every single thing that they're doing. So, again, if we're supposed to have this attitude when it comes to our employment, how much more when it comes to the things of God? It doesn't make any sense to be this way. We should fear God and not man. We should be serving God and not man. And any service done for man, is, is we're supposed to have an attitude that's being done for God. And so we've got to understand, God still cares about this kind of thing. And we have too many people today in churches that are focusing too much on the people in the church instead of the Savior of the church. And we need to get our priorities right. We've got to keep our focus in the right place. And I believe if, if Ananias and Sapphira, if they would have been thinking about the Holy Ghost, they wouldn't have tried to lie. They would have known better than that. But they weren't thinking about the Holy Ghost. You know what they were doing? They were thinking about everybody else in the church. 
And I am, I'm afraid there's too many people there. there. There are people all over the place today, maybe even in here today. They are sitting in church today because they feared not being here because of what the pastor might think. They feared not being here because what somebody else in the church might not think. What about the one who lives inside of you? I don't even live in your house. I don't even live in the same town as you. And you're more worried about what I think than the one who lives inside of you? I didn't die on the cross for you. I didn't purchase you with my blood. Jesus Christ did that. And yet, we don't even give Him a thought. I mean, what I have done for anyone is so little and doesn't even register compared to what Jesus Christ has done. And same thing with any pastor. Yet, you have people today, everything they, all their standards, everything, that they, everything they wear, everything they do, everything they listen to, it's all based on the preferences of the pastor. It's all based on pleasing the pastor. And listen, I have no idea what you're doing throughout the week and I don't want to know. I'm not spying on all of you, but the Holy Ghost sees everything you're doing. He's living inside of you. And you know what? You need to start thinking about that. You need to start focusing on Him. And if you'll do that, boy, I promise you, if you do that, you're going to do just fine as a Christian if you actually take that into consideration. But just thinking about what people think, all it does is it creates liars, it creates phonies, it creates an attitude of a Pharisee. It creates a bad spirit in a church. It just makes everyone miserable. We're all miserable when you do this kind of thing. And so I'm here today to tell you, don't lie to the Holy Ghost. And just understand, most of the stuff that we're going to look down our noses at you about, most of the stuff that we're going to gossip about you about, are things that are none of our business. But they are the business of the Holy Ghost. And, and so there are, there's probably some people in here doing some right things. They're doing them right for the Holy Ghost. Some of them are doing right for the people. And don't use those people as an excuse to throw all that stuff out, which is what a lot of people do. But just get with the program, get to know the Lord a little bit and see, see what he wants you to do and then start pleasing him. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help to everyone. Lord, we thank you so much for all you've done for us and help us to never forget for one second. Uh, who we are serving and why we are doing the things that we do. Help us to not be so fleshly minded that we can only think about pleasing men and uh, the people on this earth. Help us to be more spiritually minded and remember that you do live inside of us. You see everything we're doing. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we'll do our best to just not grieve you in any way. In your name we pray. Amen.